welcome to MBA Podcaster, the only broadcast source for cutting-edge information and advice on the MBA application process. I'm Heidi Pickman. Tuition bills for MBA programs are in the tens of thousands, if not reaching well over six figures. Wouldn't it be great if someone else paid for your MBA? It may not be as hard as you think. Many companies have existing programs for funding MBAs, and even if your company doesn't have a program, it is possible to convince your boss that she should pay for your MBA. This podcast is all about getting your employer to fund your MBA. Some of the questions we'll address include, why would a company fund your MBA? Does it make a difference if you work at a small company or a large company? Many companies have tuition reimbursement programs, fellowships, and other means to finance their employees' MBAs, and if they don't, how can you convince your company to pay? There's no such thing as a free lunch, so what will having your employer pay for your MBA cost you if it's not money? And will Uncle Sam charge you anything? And finally, do economic hard times mean that continued education benefits are going by the wayside? Let's get this last issue out of the way because it's not really an issue. John G. Vittorio works for Raytheon and attends UCLA's Anderson School in its fully employed part-time program at night. You know, Raytheon's been hit the same as, as everybody else, but I haven't seen any signs that they're slowing down on, on funding the continuing education. And in fact, over the, the past couple of years since I've joined in, it's, it's been growing and it seems to still be growing. Nicole is a financial services executive who went to a top 10 school. She says the economic crisis had no bearing on her situation. Because mine was kind of executed at the very senior level, um, you know, they could still sign off on these dollar amounts without it being that significant. When you're talking about $100,000, it's a lot, but it's not, it's not that huge in the scope of things. This is a long-term investment, so regardless of the current economic situation, if you're willing to invest it now, it's because you believe it's going to pay off, you know, in the future, five years, six years out. Nicole isn't her real name, but she asked to remain anonymous because she works for a large company with 60,000 employees that doesn't have an institutionalized program that funds MBA students, and she's the exception to the rule. There was no program. There is no program in place to do that. It was a one-off thing, which is part of why... You know, I'm keeping it confidential because it was something that the president kind of said, you know, I'm doing this for you because you're a special case. I'm making a special exception, um, but this is not something we'd like to institutionalize. Um, I, I personally think that's a terrible idea. I think it's a great program to institutionalize for, you know, a certain subset of people, um, but that wasn't the way it was in this organization. In her case, her company offered to pay for her MBA because they wanted to hold on to her. It's something that I floated as a possibility to my um, boss kind of indirectly. And I guess once I kind of tendered my resignation and let them know that I had gone into the school that I wanted to, that I was going to leave, they said, well, what if we were to pay? And then my you know, immediate boss said, well, you know, type of the contract, what do you have in mind? What does this look like? What does this cost? How does this work? How have you seen it done in other firms? Um, and, you know, make us a proposal because we're open to it. I asked Nicole to tell me why her company offered to pay in 25 words or less. She did it in 10. 
I did good work and we had a good relationship. She must have done really good work and had a really good relationship with her boss. But it's not uncommon, especially at higher levels, for companies to use tuition reimbursement as a benefit to hold on to good talent. If your company doesn't have an institutionalized tuition program, what's the best way to go about convincing your boss that the company should pay for your MBA? Nicole mentioned the obvious of doing really good work, and she has some more advice. The second thing is to provide the structure for them, kind of let them know what it would look like and frame it in the context of competing institutions or even just alternative types of organizations do. Because in, in my case, they had no idea how this stuff worked, that it, even, that it existed. I know it's kind of amazing for a company that big to really not know about this stuff, but really it was, it was not, not well known. Um, and then I guess the third piece is um, being really clear on you know, what you would want to do when you came back and kind of the value you would add after that. I think being able to say, here's why I'm going, here's what I'm going to learn, and here's how I'll be more valuable, and this is specifically the type of role or the kind of track I want to be on afterwards so that they understand, well, hey, this makes sense for me to invest in them and that they'll be worthwhile and, you know, someone I can plug into a particular role or path when they come back. Um, Otherwise, it's very hard to kind of envision that for you you know, to expect them to be able to, to picture what, what their org is going to look like two years from now and how you might fit in and, and why that makes sense. Yvonne Le Renard had the value-added argument down pat. He's in the Joint Part-Time Executive MBA program at Kellogg, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. He convinced his company, Alcatel, to pay for his MBA with very specific and solid arguments for his boss about how an MBA will broaden what Le Renard can do for the company. The industry is changing drastically. I think the telecom industry used to be run by mainly North American and European company. This is no longer true. Uh, so there will have a lot of Chinese competition here in these regions. That's one of the first reasons. The second reason is most of the uh, research and development used to be done in the same North America and, uh, and Europe internally, which is no longer true. I think we're doing a lot of R&D in these regions. We're doing a lot of external innovations or external R&D as well. And this is an area that I really, really wanted, I think, to, to understand well how you can grow externally by partnerships, JVs, acquisitions, uh, and not only internally, and how you can drive and change uh, your company from European-centric to Asian-centric, where the growth is going to be in the next five to ten years. Alcatel has a program for recent graduates who joined the company, but not for mid-level executives such as Le Renard. He says patience is a must when arguing your case. That was a, a basically a three-month negotiation. This is not something happening overnight. Initially, it has for 90% sponsorship, and, and I was willing to put 10%, and we end up, I think, at 50-50. From a, a scope as well and program, you know, a lot of HR wanted me to attend, you know, a lot of internal program they have, uh, which is kind of mini MBA, but I said this is not appropriate for what I want to do. So I had to um, argue and defend that thing myself. Alcatel and Nicole's 60,000 employee financial services company are large companies without tuition reimbursement programs. What about small companies? JS runs a small technology firm. His firm employs 85 employees, 10 of which are managers. As a small businessman, he has to be consistent in what he offers to one employee over another. And in his company, there's not a lot of turnover and there's not a lot of room for growth. For me, 
if if there's a person who's already in the executive in the organization, they want to get their MBA. I have to think twice. We've kind of shied away because it seems like you know a lot of people are just looking to get their MBA so they can get a management job, and they're really not looking internally. And there's probably a good reason because there's just not a lot of opportunities internally. I mean, we have management positions, but um, they require more than somebody with an MBA with, say, sales experience. He says his company needs someone who has particular knowledge of their management area. I can't just say, hey, get your MBA, I'm going to pay you five, six, seven thousand dollars or more so that you can turn around and apply for a job that I know I'm not going to hire you for because you don't have the experience for any of these kind of vertical market management positions. You know, say I already have a marketing manager. There's, there's not that many positions in our small company. In other words, Jay wouldn't likely offer tuition reimbursement to a salesperson who wants to switch gears and go into marketing, because even though an MBA would give them the marketing tools, they would lack experience. But tuition reimbursement is not out of the question. If they came to me and said, look, I really appreciate the organization, I love the organization, I want to excel in the organization, what can, I, what can I do to help myself better prepare myself to grow within the organization? And first you let the employer tell you. They may come back and say, what do you think you could do? And that's when you would respond, well, I, maybe I could get my MBA. I guess I'd be willing to do that if you guys could help me. And that would be like kind of letting somebody else tell you what you wanted to hear. So whether it's a large or small company, you need to make it clear to your boss how getting an MBA will benefit the company. Many companies have an institutionalized tuition reimbursement program of some kind. Hewitt Associates surveyed almost 1,300 employers and found about 88% of them have a formal program in place. These structures vary by company, so it would be impossible to generalize. But there are several things to look for when you go to your human resources specialist. Many tuition assistance programs require you to pay for your classes, books, and supplies up front and apply for a refund. Sometimes you have to work, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you'll need to keep up your grades, and sometimes there's a back-end commitment. Let's hear from a few different students on what their companies offer. Yochi N. works in the financial industry, so would like to keep his company and last name private. He goes to school part-time and works full-time. His company has a few programs that will pay for MBAs, but employees need to have one year invested in the company before they are eligible. Anyone that works full-time, they basically have what they call tuition reimbursement. It has to be like an MBA program or some type of um, accreditation, and the company will pay up to 90% or $10,000, whichever is less. And Yochi must keep up his grades. When I started it, they said it was a, a B average, but um, they've actually lowered the requirement to having a C. If they don't get anything better than a C, you're not going to get reimbursed for the actual class. But that's a pretty, in a, in a, in a graduate school program, getting a C, I mean, getting a B is not very hard. So um, it's a pretty good, you know, it's a pretty fair deal for um, being reimbursed and that, you know, you actually learn something from it. The 90% 10000 tuition reimbursement benefit doesn't require any back-end commitment. Yochi says his company has another program. They will pay for the full amount if you commit at least three years after, but I'm not sure if I want to commit three more years. Another person I talked to is taking advantage of a full ride to B-School. Carla Krauss worked for Dell for four years before she enrolled in the MIT Leaders for Global Operations program with full backing from Dell. 
Dell sponsors one a year. It's pretty well known throughout the company, and people aspire to be that one person. It used to be an application process, and now it's actually the managers just assessing talent within their organization. You know, you have certain requirements to get into this program anyway. You have to be, you know, have an engineering undergrad and um, have had at least two years' work experience. Um, and you have to be able to actually get into MIT um, in order to be sponsored. So it's more Dell looking internally at who they think has potential and who could really um, gain, I guess, skills that are needed at Dell and come back and be a valuable contributor once they've finished Sloan. And there are strings attached. I knew by accepting Dell's sponsorship I am contractually obligated to go back, but I wouldn't have signed that contract had I not wanted to go back to Dell. So um, I definitely had a great experience at Dell in the four years prior to coming here. I could pay back the, the sponsorship contribution and choose to go somewhere else, but at this time I'm, I'm planning to go back to Dell. Remember John G. Vittorio, who works for Raytheon and attends UCLA's Anderson School? His company doesn't offer tuition reimbursement to just anyone. This particular program that I'm in, where it's engineers going for MBAs, it's, it's a competitive program. Actually, most of the um, continuing education that they fund is, is, is somewhat competitive. So it's pretty standard in our industry that most of the big companies fund some kind of, of continuing education. And it's usually, usually on a competitive basis. Applying for the assistance doesn't mean you'll get it. Jim Vittorio explained what kind of applicant his company is likely to help with tuition. They're typically looking for people that are in some sort of leadership position already um, and that have potential to, to grow in those positions. And they usually look for a certain amount of work experience. I've been with Raytheon for, for four years and I'm in a functional management role. And I think those kind of basic qualifications is, is what they were looking for. Like many others, he has to maintain a B average and owes Raytheon two years after he finishes his degree. He says Raytheon's program is common in his industry. For those of us that work in, in aerospace, they seem to be pretty equal in, in the policies. Um, I, I have heard a couple of students that work for smaller companies that did have some pretty strong demands, um, particularly commitments that they owe after they graduate and things like that. Um, there was one that had uh, required a nine-year commitment after, uh, after he graduated from his degree. So that's a, that's a pretty long, long-term commitment. Other industries that offer tuition reimbursement programs include technology, management consulting, and finance. But as we heard from Nicole, her big finance company didn't have a structure in place, which gave her more freedom regarding the conditions of tuition reimbursement. She laid out the terms she negotiated. They would pay for program expenses, tuition, the whole thing. And then um, I was obligated to return to them to work for two years after I graduated. Should I be laid off, you know, based on their decision, any time in those two years, kind of the the full two years would be forgiven at the time um, of the kind of layoff. Um, and should I be terminated for a cause, then I would owe them back 
a prorated portion of whatever I hadn't kind of earned back over those two years. So it was structured as a forgivable loan over two years, which would be forgiven, you know, in monthly increments throughout the 24 months um, following when I started. And wait, there's more. I had them guarantee a salary at or above the median for the graduating class the previous year. Not everyone is able to negotiate such a great deal, and not everyone wants to. Some tuition reimbursement programs might have too many strings attached. Jennifer Powers is the Manager of Marketing and Business Development for the City of Brampton in Ontario, Canada. As a single mom of three, she decided to enroll in an online MBA program at Athabasca University and pay for the MBA herself. Her employer offered up to a half of the $50,000 in tuition that she incurred, but she would have had to stay for five years. When she crunched the numbers, it didn't make sense. She was already earning the same amount as an MBA would have made, and she was confident she could improve upon that elsewhere. I can make up to 25000 in one year working on the side, so it wouldn't have made any sense for me to tie myself up for five years. And you receive your MBA, and... Really, is there anywhere to grow within that organization? Nowhere that I was really interested in. I mean, the only area in government that I was interested in was economic development. Um, the only position higher was a director position, and he wasn't planning on retiring anytime soon. And I was doing my MBA so that I could get ahead, um, so that I could really look at other career options. And I knew that if I had taken any assistance from the town, that I would be legally obligated to stay there for a period of time, but I was also uh, morally, I would feel obligated to to stay. And so I I decided against that option. She decided the $25,000 in assistance wasn't worth the time commitment she would have had to give her employer. She also wanted flexibility in her studies. Another important reason was I didn't want them to um, influence any of the projects that I worked on either. For example, my final applied project um, I'm doing it on um, in the spa industry, and I think that if I had have accepted the financing, that they would have said, well, we would like to, to do a study on economic development, um, which would have made sense, and I probably would have felt obligated to be able to do that, but that's not really where my passion lies. They, in a sense, dictate a little bit about even what courses you should be taking, Power also advises that you shouldn't forget about the tax consequences, like one of our colleagues who had his employer pay for his MBA did. And he was really surprised at the end of the year when he did his um, taxes, just how much money um, that added on to his uh, just yearly income. And he ended up having to pay a lot of money in taxes. And so although I'm paying for it myself and I have to uh, come up with the money, there was really great programs for student loans. And I'm able to get a very good tax um, return, which I then apply directly onto the student loan. You don't want to be surprised on April 14th, right before final exams. So calculating the tax consequences of having your employer pay for your MBA is very important. I checked with Linda Bowman, the principal of Bowman Accounting Group in Silicon Valley, who told me what the current law is about educational benefits and taxes. There's a portion that can be treated as a tax-free fringe benefit, and that's, that's the golden thing. That's what you really want. But what it requires is the employer, the company itself, they have to set up a plan, and it's called either an educational assistance program or educational plan. If the plan is in place, then every year 
a qualified employee could receive up to $5,250 in benefits that are totally excluded from wages. Bowman stressed the importance of a written plan. A lot of fringe benefits hinge on who qualifies because the IRS wants to make sure that the majority of, of the people are eligible for those benefits. It's not just designed for highly compensated individuals or your main owners of the company. But most MBAs cost more than the allowed 5250 bucks. Bowman says that you still might be able to avoid paying taxes on benefits that exceed that amount, but you need to be careful. Then the portion over that amount could be deemed taxable unless the employer can show that it's a working condition so that if they're taking a course that's related to their job or it's part of their working condition requirement, then that portion could be excluded from taxable income as well. Phew. So let's recap. Work hard and do good work. Explain to your boss how getting an MBA would be value added for your company. Assess both the benefits and the commitments of your company's tuition reimbursement program if they have one. Know your post-MBA opportunities and make sure to talk to your accountant. For more information, a transcript of the show, or to register for your bi-weekly MBA podcast, visit mbapodcaster.com. Join us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube to get the latest news and insight into the world of business school. This is MBA Podcaster. I am Heidi Pickman. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next time when we explore another topic of interest in your quest for an MBA. MBA.